It was in the mountains separating the sighing desert from the weeping waste that they first learned of the fate of the last of the young kingdoms. They came upon a party of six tired warriors led by Lord Valshun, Saratinius' father. What has happened? Auric asked anxiously. Where is Saratinia? I know not if she is lost, dead, or captured, Elric. Our continent has fallen to chaos. Do you not seek for her? Elric accused. The old man shrugged. My son, I have looked upon so much horror these past days that I am now bereft of emotion. I care for nothing but a quick release from all of this. The day of mankind is over on the earth. Go no further than here, for even the weeping waste is beginning to change before the crawling tide of chaos. It is hopeless. Hopeless? No, we still live. Perhaps Zaracinia still lives. Did you hear nothing of her fate? Only a rumour that Jagreen Lern had taken her aboard the leading chaos ship. She is on the seas. No, those cursed craft sail land as well as sea, if it can be told apart these days. It was they who attacked Karlark, with a vast horde of mounted men and infantry following behind. Confusion prevails. You'll find nothing but your death back there, my son. Now we shall see. I have some protection against chaos at long last, plus my sword and my Nurhaean steed. He turned on the saddle to address his companions. Well... Will you stay here with Lord Voashun, or accompany me into the heart of chaos? We'll come with you, Moonglum said quietly, speaking for them both. We've followed you until now, and our fates are linked with yours in any case. We can do naught else. Farewell, Lord Voashun, Auric said to his father-in-law. If you would do a service... Ride over the weeping waste to Eshmir and the Unknown Kingdoms where Moonglum's homeland lies. Tell them what to expect, though they're probably beyond rescue now. I will try, said Voashun wearily, and hope to arrive there before chaos. Then Elric and his companions rode away towards the massed hordes of chaos. Three men against the unleashed forces of darkness. Three foolhardy men who had pursued their course so faithfully that it was inconceivable for them to flee now. The last acts must be played out whether a howling night or calm day followed. The first signs of chaos were soon apparent as they saw the place where lush grassland once had stood. It was now a yellow morass of molten rock that, though cool, rolled about with purposeful air. The Nereian horses, since they did not gallop on the plains of earth, crossed it with comparative ease. And here the chaos shield was first shown to work, for as they passed, the yellow liquid rock changed and became grass again for a short time. They met once a shambling thing that still had limbs of sorts and a mouth that could speak. From this poor creature they learned that Karlark was no more, that it had been churned into broiling nothingness. Where it had been, the forces of chaos, both human and supernatural, had set up their camp, their work done. The thing also spoke of something that was of particular interest to Elric. 
Rumour was that the Dragon Isle of Malnibane was the only place where chaos had been unable to exert its influence. If, when our business is done, we can reach Malnibane, Arik said to his friends as they rode on, we might be able to abide there until such a time that the White Lords can help us. Also, there are dragons slumbering in the caves, and these would be useful against Jagrang Lurn if we could waken them. What use is it to fight now? Divim Slorm said defeatedly. Jagrang Lurn has won, Alric. We have not fulfilled our destiny. Our role is over, and chaos rules. Does it? But we have yet to fight it and test its strength against ours. Let us decide then what the outcome has been. Divim Slorm looked dubious, but he said nothing. And then at last they came to the camp of chaos. No mortal nightmare could encompass such a terrible vision. The towering ships of hell dominated the place as they observed it from a distance, utterly horrified by the sight. Shooting flames of all colours seemed to flicker everywhere over the camp. Fiends mingled with the men. The evilly beautiful dukes of hell conferred with the gaunt-faced kings who had allied themselves to Jagreen Lurn and perhaps now regretted it. Every so often the ground heaved and erupted, and any human beings unfortunate enough to be in the area were either engulfed and totally transformed, or else had their bodies warped in indescribable ways. The noise was a dreadful blending of human voices and roaring chaos sounds. Devils wailing laughter, and quite often the tortured shout of a human soul who had perhaps relented his choice of loyalty, now suffered madness. The stench was disgusting, of corruption, of blood and evil. The ships of hell moved slowly about through the horde which stretched for miles, dotted with great pavilions of kings, their silk banners fluttering. Hollow pride compared to the might of chaos. Many of the human beings could scarcely be told from the chaos creatures. Their forms were so changed under the influence of chaos. Alric muttered to his friends as they sat in their saddles, waiting, watching. It is obvious that the warping influence of chaos grows even stronger among the human ranks. This will continue until even Jagreen Lurn and the Trader Kings will lose every semblance of humanity and become just a fraction of the churning stuff of chaos. This will mean the end of the human race. Mankind will pass away forever, taken into the maw of chaos. You look upon the last of mankind, my friends, save for ourselves. Soon it will be indistinguishable from anything else. All this unstable earth is beneath the heel of the lords of chaos, and they are gradually absorbing it into their realm, into their own plane. They will first remould and then steal the earth altogether. It will become just another lump of clay for them to mould into whatever grotesque shapes take their fancy. And we seek to stop that, Moonglum said hopelessly. We cannot, Alaric. We must continue to strive until we are conquered. I remember that Separates said if Pyre, 
commander of the Chaos Fleet, is slain, the ships themselves will no longer be able to exist. I have a mind to put that to the test. Also, I have not forgotten that my wife may be prisoner aboard his ship, or that Jagreen Lern is there. I have three good reasons for venturing there. No, Alric, it would be more than suicide. I do not ask you to accompany me. If you go, we shall come, but I like it not. If one man cannot succeed, neither can three. I shall go alone. Wait for me. If I do not return, then try to get to Malnibane. Alric, Moonglum cried, and then watched as, his chaos shield pulsing, Alric spurred the Nuhrayan steed towards the camp. Protected against the influence of chaos, Ulrich was sighted by a detachment of warriors as he neared the ship, which was his destination. They recognised him and rode towards him, shouting. He laughed in their faces. Just the fodder my blade needs before we banquet on yonder ship, he cried, as he slashed off the first man's head as if it were a buttercup. Secure behind his great round shield, he hewed about him with a will. Since Stormbringer had slain the gods imprisoned in the elder trees, the vitality which the sword passed into him was almost without limit. Yet every soul that Elric stole from Jagreen Lurn's warriors was another fraction of vengeance reaped. Against men, he was invincible. He split one heavily armoured warrior from head to crutch, sheared through the saddle and smashed the horse's backbone apart. Then the remaining warriors dropped back suddenly, and Alric felt his body tingle with peculiar sensations, knew he was in the area of influence exerted by the Chaos ships, and knew also that he was being protected against them by his shield. He was now partially out of his own earthly plane, and existed between this world and the world of Chaos. He dismounted from his Nereian steed and ordered it to wait for him. There were ropes trailing from the huge sides of the foremost ship, and Elric saw with horror that other figures were climbing up them, and he recognised several as men he had known in Karlag. But before he could reach the ship, he was surrounded by all manner of horrifying shapes, things that flew at him, cawing with heads of men and beaks of birds, things that writhed from out of the seething ground and struck at him. Things that groped and mewled and screamed, attempting to pull him down to join them. Frantically, he swung Stormbringer this way and that, cutting his way through the chaos creatures, protected from becoming like them by the pulsing chaos shield on his left arm, until at length he joined the ghastly ranks of the dead, and swarmed with them at the sides of the great gleaming ship, grateful at last for the cover they gave him. He reached the ship's rail and hauled himself over it, spitting bile from his throat as he entered a peculiar region of darkness, and came to the first of a series of decks that rose like steps to the topmost one, where he could just see the occupants. A man-like figure, and something like a huge, blood-red octopus. The first was probably Jagreen Lurn. The second was obviously Pyre. For this, Alric knew, was the guise he took when he manifested himself on Earth. Contrasting with the ships seen from a distance, once aboard, Alric became conscious of the dark, shadowy nature of the light, filled with moving threads. 
a network of dark reds, blues, yellows, greens and purples, which, as he moved through it, gave and reformed itself behind him. He was constantly being blundered against by the moving cadavers, and he made a point of not looking at their faces too closely, for he had already recognised several of the sea raiders whom he had abandoned years before during the escape from Imria. Slowly he was gaining the top deck, noting that so far both Jagreen Lurn and Lord Pyre seemed unaware of his presence. Presumably they considered themselves entirely free from any kind of attack, now that they had conquered all the known world. He grinned maliciously to himself as he continued climbing, gripping the shield tightly, knowing that if once he lost hold of it, his body would become transformed either into some shambling alien shape, or else flow away altogether to become absorbed into the chaos stuff. By now Elric had forgotten everything but his main object, which was to destroy Lord Pyre's earthly manifestation. He must gain the topmost deck and deal first with the Lord of Chaos. Then he would kill Jagrain Lurn and, if she were really here, rescued Saracinia and bear her to safety. Up the dark decks, through the nets of strange colours, Elric went, his milk-white hair flowing in contrast to the moody darkness around him. As he came to the last deck but one, he felt a gentle touch on his shoulder. Looking in that direction, saw the heart-lurching horror that one of Pyre's blood-red tentacles had found him. He stumbled back, putting up his shield. The tentacle tip touched the shield and rebounded suddenly, the entire tentacle shriveling. From above, where the Chaos Lord's main bulk was, there came a terrible screaming and roaring, What's this? What's this? What's this? Elric shouted in impudent triumph at seeing his shield work with such effect. Tis Elric of Malnibane, great lord, come to destroy you. Another tentacle dropped towards him, seeking to curl round the shield and seize him. Then another followed it, and another. Elric hacked at one, severed its sensitive tip saw another touch the shield, recoil and shrivel, and then avoided the third in order to run round the deck and ascend as swiftly as he could the ladder leading to the deck above. Here he saw Jagreen learn, his eyes wide. The theocrat was clad in his familiar scarlet armour. On his arm was his buckler, and in the same hand an axe, while his right hand held a broadsword. He glanced down at these weapons, obviously aware of their inadequacy against Elric's. You later, Theocrat, Elric promised. You're a fool, Elric. You're doomed now, whatever you do. It was probably true, but he did not care. Aside, upstart, he said, shield up. He moved warily towards the many-tentacled Lord of Chaos. You're the killer of cousins of mine, Elric, the creature said in a low, whispering voice and you've banished several Dukes of Chaos to their own domain so that they cannot reach Earth again. For that you must pay. And I, at least, do not underestimate you, as in likelihood they did. The tentacle reared above him and tried to come down from over the shield's rim and seize his throat. He stepped backwards and blocked the attempt with the shield. 
Then a whole web of tentacles began to come from all sides, each one curling around the shield, knowing its touch to be death. He skipped aside, avoiding them with difficulty, slicing about him with Stormbringer. As he fought, he remembered Separitz's words. Strike for the crystal atop his head. There is his life and his soul. Eric saw the blue radiating crystal which he had originally taken to be one of Lord Pyre's several eyes. He moved in towards the roots of the tentacles, leaving his back poorly protected, but there was nothing else for it. As he did so, a huge maw gaped in the thing's head and tentacles began to draw him towards it. He extended his shield towards the moor until it touched the lips. Yellow, jelly-like stuff spurted from the mouth as the Lord of Chaos screamed in pain. He got his foot on one tentacle stump and clambered up the slippery hide of the Chaos Lord, shuddering beneath his feet. Every time his shield touched Pyre, it created some sort of wound so that the Chaos Lord began to thresh about dreadfully. Then, as he stood unsteadily over the glowing soul crystal, for an instant he paused, then plunged Stormbringer point first into the crystal. There came a mighty throbbing from the heart of the entity's body. It gave vent to a monstrous shriek, and then Alric yelled as Stormbringer took the soul of the Lord of Hell and channeled the surging vitality through to him. It was too much. He was hurled backwards. He lost his footing on the slippery back, stumbled off the deck itself and fell to another nearly a hundred feet below. He landed with bone-cracking force, but thanks to the stolen vitality was completely unhurt. He got up, ready to clamber again towards Jagreen Loon. The Theocrat's anxious face peered down at him and he yelled, You'll find a present for you in yonder cabin, Alric. Torn between pursuing the Theocrat, secretly aware that the time for his vengeance had not yet come, and investigating the cabin, Alric turned and opened the door. From inside came a dreadful sobbing. Saracenia. He ducked into the dark place, and there he saw her. Chaos had warped her. Only her head, the same beautiful head, was left. But her lovely body was dreadfully changed. Now it resembled the body of a huge white worm. Did Jagreen learn do this? He and his ally. How have you retained your sanity? By waiting for you. I have something to do that required me to keep my wits. The worm body undulated towards him. No, stand back, he cried, disgusted against his will. He could not bear to look at her. But she did not heed him. The worm body threshed forward and impaled itself on her sword. There, cried her head, take my soul into you, Alric, for I am useless to myself and you now. Carry my soul with you and we shall be forever together. No, you're wrong. He tried to withdraw the thirsty rune blade, but it was impossible. And unlike any other sensation he had ever received from it, this was almost gentle. 
warm and pleasant, bringing with it her youth and innocence. His wife's soul flowed into his and he wept. Oh, Tsaritsinia, my love. So she died, her soul blending with his as years earlier the soul of his first love, Cimarron, had been taken. He did not look at the dreadful worm body, did not glance at her face, but walked slowly from the cabin. Though he was moved to an aching sadness, Stormbringer seemed to chuckle as he resheathed it. But now as he left the cabin it appeared that the deck was disintegrating, flowing apart. Separates had been right. The destruction of Pyre also meant the destruction of his ghastly fleet. Jagreen Lewin had evidently made good his escape, and Elric, in his present mood, did not feel ready to pursue him. He was only regretful that the fleet had achieved its purpose before he had been able to destroy it. Sword and shield both aiding him in their ways, he leapt from the ship to the pulsating ground and ran for the Nereian steed, which was rearing up and flailing with its hooves to protect itself from a group of gibbering chaos creatures. He drew his runesword again and drove into them, quickly dispersing them and mounting the Nereian stallion. Then, the tears still flowing down his white face, he rode wildly from the camp of chaos, leaving the ships of hell breaking apart behind him. At least these would threaten the world no more, and a blow had been struck against chaos. Now only the horde itself remained to be dealt with, and the dealing would not be so easy. Fighting off the warped things which clawed at him, he finally rejoined his friends. Said nothing to them, but wheeled his horse to lead the way over the shaking earth towards Malnibane, where the last stand against chaos could be prepared. The last battle fought, and his destiny completed. And in his mind, as he rode, he seemed to hear Tsaritsinia's youthful voice whispering comfort, as, still sobbing, he galloped away from that camp of chaos. <laughs>